Greetings, Bethany North. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome to another week of our Job series. This is our seventh sermon in our Job series. Our, um, our scripture today comes from two places near the end of Job. We are right near the end. Next week will be our final message in Job as Nathan Seppi, our youth director, is going to be teaching about Job and Jesus in the final week before we step into our season of Lent, where we'll be studying the book of Mark from beginning to end. More on that in a bit. Today, we got a great message for you about Job's response to God's storm. Our scripture comes from Job 40, verse 1 through 7, and then 42, 1 through 6. So Job chapter 40, verse 1, the Lord said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I'll say no more. And then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Job 42. Then Job replied to the Lord again. I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know, You said, listen now and I'll speak. I'll question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with me now? Um, Jesus, thank you so much for this incredible and difficult and intriguing and mysterious book of Job. God, we would ask that you would encourage our faiths this morning. As we learn more about Job's response to God speaking to him out of the storm, would you remind us that, God, in every storm we face, that you are with us, that you are still speaking, that we can trust you. And, God, ultimately, would you take this old story and would you make it new again? We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, good to be with you. Job 7, I I don't know how it's been for you. I've I've had a lot of enjoyment preaching through this series. Our message that I today is called, Now I See You. Now I See You. And I just read there from chapter 40 and chapter 42 and kind of picking up on what Job says, you know, I had heard of you, but now I see you. Job sees God through the storm. I want to begin with just some thoughts about storms. The thing with storms is that the bigger and gnarlier they are, oftentimes the more memorable in our memories, correct? Um, And God suggests in this incredible book of Job that it's in the storms of life that he holds us closer than ever before. And in that regard, I'm going to say something that might be a little confusing to you, but maybe storms can save us. Maybe storms can save us. I don't know what the biggest storm you've ever lived through, like meteorologically speaking. I mean, once when I was in college, we had this epic ice storm where We went seven days with no power, and there was eight young men living together with no running water. It was horrible. I mean, what storms have you lived through? Once, when I was 13, I was guiding a a boat of men, and it was the biggest storm I'd ever been in, and the engine kept dying because waves were flooding over, and I had to take these guys, you know, across this big body of water until we got to the dock. It was incredible. I'll never forget it. Once... I was on the west coast of Vancouver Island where the open ocean is just surging and there was a bit of a storm. And again, the engine of this little outboard engine wouldn't start. And I was getting pressed upon with 
a rock face up ahead, and I was really, really, really scared. Another time, a lot of storms. Uh, uh, there was a storm going. We were safely on shore, but the storm was was just surging around the dock of where I worked, and one of the boats worth about $150,000, essential to the practices of said business, broke free. The lines like sheared off, and the boat started to bob away. Again, another rock face down the way. We had to run down, jump in a different boat, get transported to the boat that was, I mean, storms, right? But Heather and I, on our 20th anniversary, we got in this huge storm in Austin, Texas. We'd never been before. And man, I thought I knew rain growing up in Seattle, but I'd never seen rain like that. We were in Austin. Our phones were giving us alerts like, storm, stay in your place. Like, And we had to go two blocks and we're soaked to the bone in just two blocks of running through this epic, epic thunder shower. Just soaked. I've never been in a storm like that. I mean, storms, they, I mean, there's something to them, right? They just announce like the power of nature. They disrupt the status quo. I mean, that's just when we think of weather, but like we've seen in Job, storms could be anything. And some of you listening in, you've been through incredible storms. Storms like businesses sinking, uh, where maybe you're worried about bankruptcy and making payroll. Storms in marriage, where you're wondering, gosh, are we going to survive this season or how we barely got through that storm of that last season. Storms in church, where they say right now about one in three people has left the organized church because of storms around mass or race or sexuality or other politics. I mean, storms, right? I mean, every one of us listening today, every one of us has been through incredible storms. I'm thoughtful as an English guy, uh, as an English major, a former English teacher, you know, Robert Frost poem, I believe was nothing gold can stay. So dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay. Even when there's not storms, there's this expectation, especially as Seattleites, ah, there's a storm coming. And one of the things I love about Job is it starts to move the conversation, not just like, why do storms exist? Why does loss happen? Why do things get hard? It starts to move the conversation to a more helpful conversation for us. How will we survive storms when they come? What can they teach us? How can our faith grow in difficult times? How can we navigate really difficult journeys? And certainly with Job, it invites a personal reading, and there's also a community reading. We have community storms. We have national storms. We have global storms. I haven't said anything about global warning, what's going on with environment. I mean, again, we come to this place in Job, not promising a happy ending, but it's, it's really a new beginning of how to frame up the way in which we think about our relationship with God when the storms come. As Job would say through his storm, I, I had heard of you, and now I see you. Something about God through the storm has helped Job realize both who God is and who Job is, who his faith has called him to be. And Nathan will unpack it more next week, but these concluding verses of Job, I mean, we almost have to be careful because it's such a fairy tale ending and, and Nathan's going to unpack more of that. This isn't the point that if we endure hard things, we're going to have a multiplier of physical and financial blessings. That's not really the point. But what is the point 
that Job is pointing to in today's text that once God shows up through the storm, Job is forever changed. And so that's what I want to bring to you as kind of our big idea to frame up our thoughts today, that maybe God suggests through this incredible book of Job that it is in the storms that he held us closer than ever before, and that we'll have a personal and corporate implications as followers of Jesus, how we survive the storms together with our faith intact. So I'm going to highlight really a bunch of different things here. Let me say this. We've said it before. This will be my last chance to speak to you about the Job series. So I can't leave today without saying this. There is no shame in our questions. There's no shame in it. There's none of that happening in here. God will say to Eliphaz in next week's text, Job has spoken correctly of me. So may we never forget through this series that questions will arise when the storms hit. And God never shames us for hurting, for lamenting, for asking questions why. That's where we started this series. And I know because you say, but Scott, you just read Job 42, verse 6. I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And I say, this is a poor translation of those Hebrew words. The NIV translation of verse 6, chapter 42, is not the best. A better translation that we've been studying uh, as, a, as a teaching team in a better Hebrew translation is uh, what I would suggest to you, Job saying, God, I'd like to take back my words and I've learned something about my humanity through this experience. Job doesn't hate himself from the experience of his lament and pain. No, God has held him closely. And so we need to kind of reframe some of the poor translations out here. Job doesn't despise himself. He just has a clear picture of who God is. And God certainly doesn't despise Job. He has come through the storm and Job becomes part of an inner circle people in the Old Testament that get to speak with God. Ah, what a dream. Job got, he got this incredibly intimate moment. So no, he doesn't despise himself. It's just, he's saying, I've spoken God in such a way that I would like to refocus on who you are. Some of my questions have dissipated through God's presence through the storm. And we've said that over and over again. I'm just going to say it again because I really want to make sure that you hear it. We want to know why, and God wants to reframe that as who. God, why does this happen? We won't always answer. But who will be with me in every storm? God's saying, that's the point of this book. I really, really, really want you to know that. And we're going to learn more next week about Christ and how we'll see Christ through this book because at the end of Job, we're going to be starting our our, our Mark series. But it's really important for me that we know all together that God has a special compassion and empathy and presence to those of us that are in pain. It's probably for somebody listening in, it's like, you really need to hear that again that God has a special care and empathy and compassion when we ache for the hurting ones. If you think about the ministry of Jesus, his ministry was always aligned to those who were hurting. He didn't care. The power structures, the schedule, it's like, no, who needs me in their storm? That's what Nathan will unpack more over and over again. But throughout the scriptures, Like this word cry is used over and over again. When we cry out to the God, God will not ignore the cry of the inflicted. God is close to the brokenhearted. Our pain then is a gateway for more of God in our lives. We've got to never forget that. We've got to teach ourselves that over and over and over again. 
The second thing I want to say here, and my last words to you on Job is this, that um, there are new discoveries for those who continue to pursue God, to keep seeking God in the middle of their storm. Like in Job 40, I just read to you, the Lord said to Job, well, the one who contends with the Almighty, correct him, let him who accuses God answer him. And then Job said, I'm unworthy. How can I reply? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once. I've got no answer twice. And I'll say no more. But he will say more in, in chapter 42. But there's just this, this ongoing intimacy, this deepening of relationship that Job's speeches at the end of this book, they reveal he didn't get the answer, but God's presence transcended his desire to know why. That's super hopeful for me because I'm still asking why. Why the fire of Bethany North's location? Every Sunday morning, there is a block in my spirit. I don't want to go to the Shoreline Auditorium. I want to go to the Family Fun Center. I want to go to 18,000 feet. I want to go to a special place for the kids. I want to go there. That's like, you're not going to go there. And I say, why? And God says, trust me. And I say, I don't want to. And I get in the car and I drive to church. I mean, this is real time. This is real talk. Like Job just reveals that. That we will have ongoing discoveries of intimacy as we continue to press into more of God in our life. The hungry ones in the kingdom of God always get fed. And so if you're on a journey of, of discouragement or, or uh, of distance or of disillusionment or deconstruction, keep seeking the Lord. Like don't let your frustration with, you know, that church, this church, or, or that family system, or, or those people that voted or didn't vote or didn't. Yeah, don't let them discourage you from seeking God Almighty. God is so much bigger than what we fight about here on earth. And we're trying to point to the, to the right way, and we're all fighting about which is the right way to seek God. But just seek God, friends. There are new discoveries awaiting you. And I just love that we seek a Jesus and it, we are filled with a Jesus that didn't avoid suffering. He didn't avoid pain. He didn't avoid giving his life on the cross for the sake of our salvation to put sin to death. He shows us that the way to God is not to avoid suffering, but to redeem it, to bring new life out of it. And Christ, Christ is the Lord. We, we wear crosses to say that his death brings life. I mean, what an odd piece of jewelry, a Roman death instrument. We should be people well acquainted. I know I'm yelling, but I'm a little excited here. We should be people well acquainted with pain and disillusionment and disappointment. Like we worship a, a God who came in the ways that no one said he should, who was put to death by Rome in order to put our sin to death. And then when we suffer, we say, God, we don't know what you're up to. He's like, look at the cross. You won't know what I'm up to most times. But you can trust that I've risen and beaten death. You can trust that on the far side of this experience, there's more of me that I want to fill you if you'll seek me. If you'll put your petty discouragements and disillusionments and deconstruction aside and Seek the Lord. Our faith will not be easy. There are no easy routes around suffering. There are no easy routes 
in this journey to Christ. I'm sorry, there's just not. But Christ is present in it. Incredible um, Christian witness, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Jim martyred in, in bringing his faith um, to remote tribes in, in uh, South America. And his wife, Elizabeth, she was uh, twice widowed, uh, twice uh, having kind of her heartbreaking on earth. And when she reflected on the pain of her earthly experience and reflected on the book of Job, she says this, she said, the book of Job clearly refutes the notion that suffering is the direct result of your own sin, but it is the direct result of original sin. There's no question about that. She goes on to just encourage the witness of Job that we can, as Christians, we can trust in God even when we don't know what's happening next. That's the definition of faith in this Christ who beat the cross. Elliot was asked what God has taught her through her pain and through her suffering. And she said, it comes down to two words. Trust me. Trust me. And trust for all of us is a hard thing to do. But God will be good to you, will be good to me, will be good to us. And so just an idea, an encouragement, if you would be willing to kind of take this idea this week as a practical application, how do we grow in our trust in the middle of our storms. This week in prayer, bring God your pain. Literally, like either write it out to God or in a time of prayer, bring your, your pain to God. Name your place of need to Jesus and invite God into it to sit there with you in presence of your pain, to be around you and see how God wants to lead you in the middle of this time because God does show up in these times. It shows up through Job in the storm, out of the storm. God speaks out of things that have broken our heart in order not to give us easy answers, not to fix the old grief, but in just reminding us that his presence is with us in all the hard things we face. Look at chapter 42, verses one through four. Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do all things, God, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Then Job says, surely I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. What a beautiful line of scripture. It's not often my perspective in prayer to God. With things that I don't know what God's doing, I rarely say, God, these things are so wonderful, I don't even understand them. No, I can give in to pettiness or hardness of heart or discouragement, but there's a an invitation here that we would maybe have the courage like Job to, when we don't understand, to say, God, these things are too wonderful for me to know. That's amazing. That's amazing. Something about Job reveals to us that God really brings his presence through the challenges that we face. I'm mindful of uh, one of my favorite uh, pericopes from the life of Jesus and Jesus, you know, crossing the storm in order to be with his disciples. This shows up in Matthew, Mark, and John, uh, in all four gospels, actually, that Jesus in the storm. But listen how Matthew tells about Jesus coming to his disciples through the storm. And just be encouraged in this. Immediately, this is, uh, this is Matthew 22. <laughs> Sorry. That was painful. 
Immediately, Jesus went to, uh, made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. I think it's actually Matthew 13, but don't get discouraged on that right now. Verse 22, while Jesus dismissed the crowd. After Jesus had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. John says he's three or four miles through the storm from land. That's a long way to row or sail through a storm. Matthew continues, the boat was a considerable distance from land buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried in fear. Jesus immediately said, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. Subtext, the storm is still blowing. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water in the storm and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind in the storm, he was afraid and beginning to sink and cried, Lord, save me from the storm. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have a little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat. The wind died down and the storm subsided. And then those who were in the boat, they worshiped him saying, truly, you're the son of God. Well, this verse from Matthew teaches us in this moment of like, Jesus is watching them through the storm. It's almost done. It's the fourth watch of the night. That's when Jesus comes. Jesus didn't cause the storm, but he stills the storm. And we said this already. God didn't cause Job's pain, but he's present to his pain. And, and so Jesus waits till the fourth watch, almost done before he comes to save. Now in Jesus' day, First watch, second watch, third. What are you talking about? That sounds like a new special on NBC. Third watch. No. In Jesus' time, the evening was broken into four watches. First watch, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Second watch, 9 p.m. to midnight. Third watch, midnight to 3 a.m. Fourth watch, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. The moments just before the dawn. I don't know about you, but I'm like, Jesus, why do you send your disciples at night into a storm and then wait? till it's almost done before you come to them because there's something about the storm. There's something in that storm that they're never gonna learn until they're in it. And I don't suggest that Jesus is playing games with them, but I do believe that Jesus wanted to expand their capacity to believe through the storm. He knew they were going to be okay. He knew he was going to keep them alive. Were they scared? Yes, he knew that too. And he didn't shame them, but he just said, this world will bring you storms and still I will come. I'll come and I'll save you. And there's something this week, even as I studied that like, it wasn't until they were back in the boat. I, I mean, I know we've, we've thought about that. We've read it. We've taught it. I've preached on it, but it's like, it feels fresh to me. The storm doesn't end while Peter's walking towards him. Doesn't end when he's sinking. Doesn't end when Jesus picks him up out of the water. It ends a bit later, almost done. Many of you listening are in a storm. You're in a season of waiting. You're in a season of longing for restoration or you know, maybe it's professional curiosity or relational distress. Valentine's Day, let's be honest, one of the loneliest days for so many people, right? Those people in relationships, out of relationship. Many of you, man, you're in a storm. Jesus, come, he will. And in the meantime, the storm's got something to teach you. It's just part of the Christian journey. 
I've, I've talked about him before, but I'm, I'm really into this uh, former pastor named Pete Scazzera right now. I'm reading him with the council and the lead pastors, this book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He says this, he says, where did we get the idea we could grow into spiritual maturity without deeply embracing grief and loss? Because to reject grief and loss is to live only half of the life with a spirituality marked by unreality. And so that means in the middle of our storms, we're gonna need to have to believe to have a robust faith life that Jesus is still coming and to declare the power of the cross, he's already come. This is the reality of the already not yet. We live in this halfway point where we know how the story ends and that should bring hope. And yet the storms that come for most of us are so discouraging. So how do we hear the voice of God? How do we believe that God is in the storm? Job 42 Verse four, Job quotes God back to God. You said, God, listen now and I'll speak. I'll question you, you shall answer me. Then he says this, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Now I've, now I've seen you. Again, we've said it several times now, but God doesn't answer Job's every question, but he's helped lifted his eyes. He, he, he believes that he's no longer alone. Henry Nouwen said this, It's very hard to allow emptiness to exist in our lives. Emptiness requires a willingness not to be in control, a willingness to let something new and unexpected happen. It requires trust and surrender and openness to guidance. But God wants to dwell in our emptiness. What a concept. Our God wants to meet us in our emptiness. He he wants to meet us in our storm. Or as Job says in 42.2, God, I know you can do all things. God wastes nothing in his economy. He didn't cause your pain. He didn't certainly cause COVID or, you know, I could just rattle off all of the discouragements that might feel like storms to you. And I'm going to choose not to. But God wastes none of it as an opportunity to draw you closer to his heart to help reveal to you this God of the empty cross, that he does come, that he does care, that even sometimes when he waits longer than we ever believe he should, he will never fail to make his presence known. And in the middle of each challenge, it's not like, okay, tie a bow on it. I've learned my lesson. I'm not saying that. But that God's got an intimacy available to you through the difficulties you faced. I know this to be true. When I sit with people that have the most depth of faith, they're people that bear scars. They've just been through storms that have been beaten up a bit by life, but their faith is intact. And it's really, really, really important with me here as I'm I'm wrapping our series up and my words with you until Nathan will speak his words next week. But you believe that in every storm that God will be good to you and that he loves you and that there's opportunities through these difficulties that I know they're incredibly difficult, but there is a capacity to believe and have hope and faith that would never be available if you didn't have to go through difficult times. The storm can save us from our idols of the easy journey. Who really saves us is Jesus the God of the storm. 
the God who walks to us to redeem us, to call us out of the places we feel like we're sinking. And so may you believe in whatever storm you're facing that Jesus comes, that he came and he's, on, he's still coming for you. He's given his spirit for those who declare faith in him, to, to, that he would come and make a home in us, and that he's with us in the battles and the storms we face. I know it's not easy, but I promise you it can still be good. For Job, something about the storm and God speaking to him, he said, I heard of you. Now I see you. May we be a community seeing Jesus more and more clearly through every difficulty we face. To God be the glory and to you, the church, may you feel intimacy and a hope and a goodness welling up in you. May you draw near. I know the way in which the storms are rattling people's faith and relationships and hope. Hold on and believe that God is holding on to you. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for just some moments to consider these these last words from Job. And God, I just ask that you would really be present to the people listening in today, that you would would reach out in real and practical and tangible ways for people to feel like they're sinking, to feel like they're about to give up, to just feel like it's fourth watch. God, would you come through the fourth watch? Would you come and, and remind your people of your great love And would you fill us with greater hope and a greater faith that's not immune from suffering, but believe, God, that you've got a special blessing for us on the far side of the storm. And that blessing is intimacy with you, God. We love you. We thank you for this day. We give it all to your glory. Amen.